something from, I've been reading the, the Message Bible a bit just to get, just to freshen things up a little and I stumbled across, just opened the book on First Chronicles 29 and I felt God speak to me. So I want to uh, share a little bit and I'm going to read from the Message Bible and a bit of, just a bit of um, preamble to this. It's called They Get Ready to Build. So the Israelites are getting ready to build something. And it was the temple. So King David was wanting to build the temple, but God said, it's not for you to build. It's for your son, Solomon. And so this is the preparation. This is David's, King David's heart. And this is the people of Israel as they prepare to build the temple. Good stuff, we're up. First Chronicles 29. Then David the king addressed the congregation. My son Solomon was singled out and chosen by God to do this. But he's young and untested and the, and the work is huge. This is not just a place, and get this bit, this is not just a place for people to meet each other, but a house for God to meet us. I've done my best to get everything together for building this house. And further down, it says, And now, how about you? How about me? Who among you is ready and willing to join us in the giving? Ready and willing, the heads of the families, leaders of the tribes of Israel, commanders and captains in the army, stewards of the king's affairs, stepped forward and gave willingly. And further down, And the people were full of a sense of celebration. All that giving and all giving willingly, freely. King David was exuberant. And then the next line it says, David blessed God in full view of the entire congregation. Now David had a bit of a history of this. He didn't mind a little naked dance down the streets. He'd done that before. So we don't expect everyone, we just keep wearing your clothes. That'd be great to church. But we do want to have a freedom when we come to worship. We want to actually have a sense that, of expectation and faith. So if we come to church, we need to come with a prepared heart. If we wake up half asleep, get here and just get here, then it says that God's come to meet us. So we have to prepare our hearts. It's a simple thing. God is not interested in our routine of coming to church on a Sunday morning because we should. He's interested in our heart and he wants to actually teach us motivate us, encourage us to prepare. So an example, the prayer room beforehand. Be great to see more people there. There's an opportunity to actually go, I'm serious. I actually want to go deeper in my relationship with God. I want to partner with God. See, it's not just coming to church on a Sunday. It's actually your heart that God's interested in. prepared and ready heart, prayed up, expectant and full of faith. You know, it's a lifestyle. It's not, you can't just turn it on on a Sunday morning and go, oh, I'm going to church, let's turn it on, it's, it's five to ten, here I am. Sing a bit, share a little bit, encourage a bit and catch up. See, God loves the fellowship of the church, he loves it, it's important. But it's not his number one priority, he's here to meet us. He wants to encounter us, so we need to prepare our hearts And it says in his word of God that if we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. So that's a challenge. Challenge. 
often I've rocked up going, I don't really want to be here this morning. But it's a decision that you make. It's not based on our feelings. We walk by faith, not by sight, not by feelings. So we need to make a commitment. If we're serious about growing in our relationship with God, we need to make a commitment to get to church irrespective of how we're feeling, how tired we are, how busy we are. Lots of reasons why we don't get to church. And I know that things come up. That's, don't get me wrong. It's not, there's no condemnation in this. Things come up, but... We want to have a priority of getting to church. Is that that's fair enough? Yeah, good. good, good. Life's busy. Life is busy. Um, we go through different seasons and you've, you've got kids and family. and all this. Life's busy. But we can still, if we don't intentionally put God first, we can squeeze him out. I've done that. I'm guilty of that. And I, to be honest, before I came up to Yarrawonga, I was still serving God, I was still going to church, I was still doing some ministry, but I reckon the busyness of a blended family, building a house, teaching, tennis coaching, I got burnt out. Burnt out, mentally struggling, physically struggling, because I wasn't in the right place with God. I wasn't prioritising my time with Him. That comes out of a, a daily devotion. Do we wake up in the morning and get on with things, and get ready, and go, oh gee, I struggled through today, squeeze God in every now and then? Or do we actually get a block of time and get up half an hour earlier and go, I'm going to spend time with the Lord, and he's going to carry me through this day. And through the day, we just fill ourselves up with more of him. See, the enemy has a plan. He wants Christians to cruise through life, to be apathetic, to rock up when they need him, that sort of stuff. There's no power in that. There's no victory in that. You can't live a victorious Christian life if you're just squeezing God in. I tried, failed miserably. I want to encourage you, make your time with God intentional, make church a priority. 1 Chronicles 29, 1-2. This is not just a place to meet each other, but a house for God to meet us. We need to cry out to God. And when we're here, there's things we can do. We can prepare our heart by coming for prayer. We can, we can worship. I mean, God's interested in our heart. We can sing. We can actually encourage each other. There's lots to do. First Chronicles 29.5. And how about you and me? Will you join in the giving? This is a good church. This is a generous church. This is a church that gives. I love the heart of the people here. But there's more. There's more. I love the fact that Paula, Heather and Joan, they're up, they're up helping out with Kids Church. They've actually got this concept pretty well. I'm going to give out of what I've got. I love Ruth. Is Ruth here? Is she... Love the fact that her heart, hello Ruth, I love her heart is to actually do missions. Her heart is for, for things that are of the kingdom. See, sometimes we, we wait until we get a little older before we actually go, I'm going to get serious. The challenge is, God's wanting us now. There's not heaps and heaps of time left. God is wanting to pour out his spirit. He is he's saying to us, the harvest is plentiful and I want to pour out my spirit 
but the laborers are few. The laborers are few. God's desire is that every one of us will give of our time, our money and our resources to invest in his kingdom. Then we become the body of Christ. Then we are part, and, and God will be looking down going, wow, Ignite Life Church, they are working as the body of Christ. Everyone doing their little bit to contribute. We're a good church, but we've got potential to be a great church. And I want to encourage you and challenge you to, to what, what can you do personally to actually be part of this? First Chronicles 29, 10-13 says, David blessed God in front of the whole congregation and the people were full of a sense of celebration. Romans, it says, if God gave his only son, how much more will he not give us everything else that we need? Psalms, as the deer panteth for the water, so my soul longeth after thee. Are you in that place? Are you longing after God like the deer is panting for water? We wonder why God allows us to go through some challenges. I can promise you, going through significant health challenges, mental health challenges, a marriage relationship that broke up, because of going through that, God has actually got my attention. I've drawn near to him. I've grown because he's allowed me to go through these challenges. He wants to get our attention. And if we keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, then we will grow and our heart will shift and we'll start to invest in kingdom things, not earthly focuses. Romans 12.1 says, In view of God's mercy, offer yourself or your body as a living sacrifice. Are you offering your body as a living sacrifice to God? And I've put a little comment down here because I have to remind myself of this a lot. Am I offering my body and my life as a living sacrifice? Because I need to, if I really believe that he has saved me from eternal damnation, then I might get serious. He saved me from hell and wants me to live eternally with him. I love the fact out of the purpose-driven life, Rick Warren, he says there are three, why would anyone not want to be a Christian? There are three things. Your past is forgiven. How good's that? My past is pretty ordinary. My past is forgiven. Thank you, Jesus. Secondly, I have a purpose. I'm living for a purpose now on earth and then I go to heaven for eternity. That's the best deal of all time. We need to actually start to live lives that point people to Jesus and God's wanting to get our attention. The Pharisees, they tithed diligently, but they were called whitewashed tombs. We've got to be careful. Occasionally, we just, I've cleaned my act up a little bit and I can, I can do church. We're going to Cobram to lead pastor there. I can do Cobram, Cass and I can do that without God and we can do okay. But, it, but it's not going to go well, it's not going to end up well. I can do it and pretend I've got it. But without God's presence... Without his presence in our lives, we cannot do anything. So we we actually need more of his presence. The natural versus the supernatural. Okay. 
1 Chronicles 29.14 says that everything comes from you, God. We are just giving it back. So everything we have, we are just giving it back to God. He owes us nothing. If he did nothing else in our lives except for actually saving us from for eternal damnation, we would owe him everything. We'd owe him our lives. So the challenge is this. It's not easy. It's not easy. We have an enemy that's trying to make us apathetic and cruise through this Christian journey. But here's the challenge. What, everyone's investing their time in something. What are you investing your time in? You're investing in financial security. It's a good thing. A career, an education, a relationship with someone, a reputation, or are you just cruising through life and filling it up with entertainment? These are all good things, but I want to give you, if you're not sure exactly how how you fit in this, I've had to ask myself, how am I going? Take a look at what you're doing with your time. If you, it's an indication of where you, what you're investing in. What are you doing with your time? Secondly, your thought life. Do you have an earthly focus? Or do you have a heavenly kingdom perspective? Your thought life. What are you thinking about a lot? And finally, your prayer life. I've had a shift in my prayer life over the last maybe 12 months as God's allowed me to go through stuff. A shift in my prayer life. I'm now praying for kingdom things, not my needs. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all those things will be added. So God's got my family. God's got got, uh, my future. God's got my finances. God's got that as I focus on him. I want to challenge you to do a bit of reflection on what you're investing in. And one of the challenges is this, this is for men mainly, because men don't do this as well. I'm pretty good at compartmentalising my day. I go, I'm going to tennis coaching, I'm going to coach. And I'm there and I'm trying to earn money for the family, keep a good business, and then off I go. I go home, do family stuff, um, focuses on... You know, giving to the family as best I can. And then I might do sport. I might play a game of golf. My focus is to play well, enjoy that and get something out of it. But men don't do this very well. They they compartmentalise well. But what happens is perhaps my focus needs to be, when I go to tennis, am I pointing anyone to Jesus? Am I actually... I've got got to focus that I'm going to build relationship with people so that I can actually, um, you know, speak words of life over them and actually have a, an encounter so that God, I'm then in a position where God can use me because I've built relationship. If I stand there and just at tennis and go, all right, uh, I've got a Bible here and uh, God says if you don't do this, you're going to hell. and it, it's, That doesn't work. Nine out of ten people come become Christians after they've had a relationship with someone and that person gives them permission to speak into their lives. Work, golf, for me, what's my goal? Am I actually building relationships or am I not? This is a big challenge. God's number one challenge for us all, I think, is this. Matthew 16, 24 says this, and don't blame me for this, I'm just going to read it as it comes out. 
If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's pretty challenging. We're going to be just cruisy Christians, or are we going to actually take, deny ourselves, take up our cross and follow me? Verse 25, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life will find it. See, being a Christian, this is what we think, a lot of us think, I'm sure. Uh, I've had conversations with people. If we, we should be doing a little better and living a little higher and with more morals and, and a little higher value um, than the non-Christians, we should be just doing a bit better. That is garbage. Jesus wants us to live a radical life that is turned around where we're the exact opposite of the world. We're actually living for other people. We're loving our enemies. We're actually blessing and praying for our enemies. That doesn't happen out of natural, out of natural uh, makeup. I can't do that. But I have done it when I've actually encountered God and he's actually helped me to actually grow in some of these areas. Will you and I invest in people? See, God's wanting us to invest in people. He cares a little less about the Sunday service than he does about us investing in people. See, he wants us to love him with all our heart, our mind, our soul, our body and our strength. And the second commandment was to love others like we love ourselves or we'd like to be treated ourselves. Are you and I going to invest in people? So we're moving to Cobram, which um, I'm going to be honest here. When Keith and Pika offered us six months ago, would we be interested in going across and being the lead pastors over there in in Cobram? We were not excited. We were not excited. We're happy here. I like you guys. I've got relationship with a lot of you. We enjoy it here. But we said, God, if you want us to go, then you need to give us a vision. You need to change our hearts and give us a vision. And now, within the space of six months, God's given us a vision, changed our hearts, and we are excited. We are loving Cobham. We are connecting with people. And God gave us the vision, three things. He said, I want you to invest in people, connect with people. So we're doing that. We've actually met up with people and had lunches and dinners and caught up with people and just investing in people. It's been really positive. And he wants us to raise up disciples and then train leaders. And we started the leadership pathway. That's where it came out of, the vision that God gave us to do the leadership pathway. We've got 16 or 17 people been doing the, the, the four weeks um, sessions, the four sessions of leadership pathway. It's been good. I think 10 of those, 10 or 11 are from Cobram. So God has been faithful. God has been faithful as we've actually taken a step of faith, despite it not being what we really wanted to do. So that's when you know it's God. When, when you, you don't want to do something, and he got, but he makes a way, he, op- he changes your heart and he, you know that's God. So we're excited about what God is doing. Um, we, I read a book and a lot of this a lot of this um, vision that God gave us came out of this book. And the book was called Hero Maker. Hero Maker. is a guy called David Ferguson from a huge church in Chicago. He had 10,000 people in Chicago going to his big church and a couple of other smaller 
church plants. And God said, you're not doing enough, Dave. You're not doing enough. There's more, Dave. And as, as you read the book, you understand where his heart has come from. See, it says in there that if the senior pastor is the hero, God will add to the church. Add. Numbers will grow. That's good. But if the senior, if the senior pastor is a hero maker, he invests in other people, then they invest in other people, and this goes on and on and on. He says, I'll multiply. I will multiply and pour out my spirit and churches will grow. So I've got a couple of examples here. I better read it. He said, he had a visitor, David Ferguson, he said he had an appointment with this guy. He didn't even know him. And he, he, he sits down and he goes, oh, who are you? And they meet each other and he says, tell me your story. And he says, well, my dad started a church movement in India in 1950. He said, and 19... 90, so 40 years later, we had 200 churches. And he went, all right, that's got my attention, So, because he's into multiplying of the kingdom. And he said, then I took the role over when he, he had had enough. And he said, from 1990 to 2018, so for the next 28 years, he said, I made one change. He said, every church plant I sent out I sent an apprentice church planter. So if I, was, if I was church planting, Travis was my church planter apprentice. He would come with me and spend 12 months learning, doing, growing like an apprentice does. And so the, church plant, the leader of the church was investing in someone else. This was the outcome. In those 28 years, they went from 200 churches to 70,000 churches because people just kept growing. So then Travis starts a church and Travis invests in Stephen and Stephen then becomes uh, a church planter and it grows. The same principle happens in life groups. If we just have a life group and it stays the one size and we have 12 in that group, it stays as 12. But if you get someone alongside and train them up, they start their own life group and it just multiplies. Second example, how God supernaturally multiplies because people are invested in. There was a guy called Ralph, he was in America and he understood this hero maker principle. He, um, he felt God say, go to Hawaii. So back in 1970, he went to Hawaii where there was 1% Christians. But he knew this hero maker principle. He had success with it back in America. 37 years later, 2018, 37% people in Hawaii are Christians, primarily due from the movement that he started. So my point being is God will supernaturally touch people's lives and pour out his spirit if we do what we can do. What we need to do is invest in people. See, what we do as church a little bit, we fall into the trap of thinking we've got to judge, save God's going, no, no, that's my job. My job is to judge and save, leave that, and your job is to invest in people. If we get that right, I'm believing God wants to pour out his spirit and we as a church can partner with him and do what we can do. 
This is my thoughts only, so this is not out of the word of God. Um, I believe. I believe. Three levels of service for God. Number one, there are lots of people who help out at the church and we thank you for that. You're doing a, a really good thing. So thank you. So first level is helping out at church. The second level is investing in a life for an eternal impact. Who in this church would you say, oh, God, who do you want me to invest in? Who do you want me to spend time in and invest in someone else and raise them up? Because there are people that are in desperate need of someone that believes in them, that will stay the journey with them. And I know that a lot of us do this. But I think we could all invest in one person and see what God wants to do. But do you know what? If you invest in the right person, it doesn't cost too much. It's not too much of a trouble. But the third level is investing in a life even when they let you down. They offend you, deny you, betray you, doubt you. See, Jesus invested in 12 men that changed the world. Thomas doubted Jesus. Peter denied Jesus. The sons of Zebedee were more interested in where they were going to sit when they got to heaven at the right hand of the Father. Judas betrayed him. You know the amazing thing about about the Last Supper? Jesus was still investing in Judas even though he knew he was going to betray him. He washed his feet. He was still investing. We're meant to be more like Jesus. No wonder the world's not crying out and going, the, the doors are banging on the doors to get in here. I'm not sure we're doing a great job of that. I think we can do better. I know I can. Romans 5.8 says, while we were still sinners, Christ died for you and me. He said, he's not waiting for you and I. I didn't wait for you and I to get our act together, polish our act up. He, when we were at our worst, he died for us. We're meant to actually invest in people even, yeah, even if they offend us. We've got here my favourite devotion. My utmost for his highest. His commission to us is to feed my sheep. The love of God is not created, it's his nature. When we receive the life of Christ through the Holy Spirit, he unites us with God so that his love is demonstrated in us. And I love this bit coming up. It says, the Lord's next point is this. Pour yourself out. Don't testify about how much you love me and don't talk about the wonderful revelation you've had. Just feed my sheep. Jesus has some extraordinarily peculiar sheep. Some of them are unkempt, dirty, awkward, pushy. Some have gone astray. But it is impossible to exhaust God's love and it is impossible to exhaust my love if it flows from the Spirit of God within me. The love of God pays no attention to my prejudices caused by my natural individuality. If I love my Lord, I have no business being guided by natural emotions. I have to feed my sheep. That's a challenge. It's a challenge. In conclusion, 
I've often reflected on this. I'm going, why is there revival in South America, Africa, Asia, but not so much in the Western world? So I just pondered on this a little bit and I thought, you know what, our, our idols, they have idols over there, but our idols are subtle. You wouldn't even know they're idols. If we're honest, the idol of entertainment, the idol of comfort, the idol of materialism, career, self. They're all pretty selfish. Our nature is selfish. We need an encounter with the Holy Spirit to change our hearts. There's more miracles, more salvations, more revivals, more kingdom advancement because they're more desperate for God over there. Third world countries are desperate for God and they know spiritual things. If they go that way, they're in a lot of trouble because there's a lot of witchcraft and spiritual opposition that is obvious. Ours is very subtle. We can get by and live a life and no one would even know we're going through stuff. But it's the enemy's plan is that he would keep us apathetic and cruise through life. Matthew 10, 37 says, If you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Not worthy of being mine. I, I don't like that verse. Or if you love your son or daughter more than you love me, you are not worthy of me. It's a challenge. I hope you're hearing my heart. My heart is that I would encourage you to think, reflect, and go, am I going to go deeper with God? Am I going to invest in someone else in some for eternal focus, eternal purposes? See, God wants to revive us, he, but first, he wants to pour out his spirit, but first he needs to awaken our soul. See, if he pours out his spirit and all of a sudden there's hundreds of people coming to this church, are we ready? Are we ready? Are we ready to serve and love and, uh, and as he brings in all the unkempt people, the dirty people, all the people, are we ready for that or would we go, oh no, not for me. So I'm going to get the uh, band to come up. We're going to have another chance to, to sing a little louder, worship a little deeper, love a bit more and uh, they're going to sing a song the God of revival. He wants to revive our hearts, but we have to actually take that step of faith and reach out to him. Let's stand up. These guys are getting sorted. And I hope some people talk to me at the end of the message.